This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. to the Habitat Podcast, the podcast for wildlife habitat management, hunting strategy, and land stewardship. And now, your host, Jared Van Hees. Welcome to the Habitat Podcast. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and we are here to become better habitat managers. Guys, that's our slogan. It is late February, and we are trying to become better habitat managers Every day, every week with these episodes, bringing folks like Randy Taylor from Mississippi to you today. Um, great episode with Randy. Randy is on the Sportsman's Channel, also with the Mississippi Department of Wildlife. So we get into it with Randy. I met him at the ATA show. Great guy. Um, very nice guy. And we talked about how... You know, Mississippi is a lot of deer hunting going on, deer habitat, high deer numbers. And I thought it'd be very interesting to get him on the show and chat with him. Um, we, we, first, we start out with, you know, kind of who he is, where he's from, his background. He runs a very large, I guess what I would call a club, like a lease club down there. They call it a deer camp in Mississippi where there's a lot of members. I think he had 20 members, almost $100,000 worth of leased property down there that he's managing with some other guys. And they're shooting deer in the 190s, 180s, 170s in Mississippi. So this is very cool to see and hear about um, from from down that way and, and really get their take on habitat, what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong, what they need help with, what the state helps out with, what programs are around, how the public can help. It's a very great episode we hear about, you know, what food plots work down there. Talk about invasives like kudzu. Uh, we talk about all kinds of good stuff with Randy Taylor. 
And it is just another great episode for you guys here today. So I hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think. We're trying to talk to different state entities this year, if you will, or folks that work for these these state entities and, and help us understand what is going on more than our 10 acres, 20 acres, 100, 200, 500 acres, right? So we're trying to we're trying to get outside of our bubble by understanding the bigger picture and, and how we can help, right? So we want to do more than just help our property. We want to help the state, everybody else, those around us by doing the right thing and trying to get this done. So it's a great perspective. I have a buddy down there. Well, it was he's a land plan client and now he's a friend of mine. And so it's very cool for me to hear this um, after working on my buddy's property down there and really, you know, getting to understand how that state looks at it. And we're not talking about the Delta. We're not talking about where all the big bucks are shot down there. We're talking about kind of the hill bucks, as Randy calls them, in these other areas where it's as tough as anywhere to hunt mature white-tailed deer. So, Randy, thanks for coming on, man. I really am excited to get this episode out to everybody here. And uh, thank you all for listening. Now, guys, this episode is brought to you by First Light. I just want to say First Light has been a partner of the podcast for two years now. And I'm meeting with um, my contact at First Light this week, talking about year number three. But I just want to bring it up that I'm really excited about their gear they're adding a lot of windbreaker or windproof to their gear that they didn't have before. When you do that, you have to be careful, as you heard about with Josh Hilliard on our episode a few eh, a few months back. Windbreaker, windproof um, is not as breathable, so that's why it's not always included in garments. But I love their stuff. I wear it all the time, casually, out in the field. It doesn't matter. And there's just a few things I want to read you here. So they'd had an email that came out with their certain employees and what their favorite items were. And, you know, the, the favorite critter that they chased. Josh's was a white-tailed deer. His favorite item is a solitude vest. I talked about this vest probably a month ago. Um, his comments were, the update to the solitude vest with a windproof membrane will help keep my core warmer for longer. And I will definitely be picking one up before next season. So Josh is into the solitude vest. You have this gal, Bridget Noonan. She's a senior VP of marketing. Her favorite critter is elk. Her favorite uh, choice of garment is the Furnace QZ. I run cold and would like another level of odor-resistant warmth for late-season elk hunts. So it's just a cool email that came out. Sign up for their email. Learn about their products. Um, they have a lot of good stuff. And I just, it looks good. It feels good. It keeps you warm. And I'm really impressed by what First Light's bringing to the table. They're expanding. They're in Turkey. They're in waterfowl hunting. They're in um, more to come. They have some new solid colors coming out. They may have already came out. And they're just innovating and innovating. And a good group of guys that um, have the same beliefs and, and similar views to what we do. So it's pretty cool. Check them out. That's firstlight.com. Tell them Habitat Podcast sent you. I do also want to thank... Um, endless horizons archery from Aliquippa, Pennsylvania. If you guys are looking for a new bow, now's the time. So we just signed up for the total archery challenge in Michigan. It's in Thompsonville, Michigan this year, as it was last year. I haven't gone for a couple of years, but they moved it from Boyne mountain to crystal mountain. Um, so we'll be over there in the first, I think it's the second weekend in June. 
over at the Total Archery Challenge. If you guys haven't heard of that, it's pretty fun. Uh, I'll be shooting my new Matthews I bought from uh, Endless Horizons with, with Bill Anzer over there. And I need to get some lighter arrows and some fatter arrows, I think, for this target stuff. I always get gypped because I shoot these real thin arrows. And when you're shooting target, you know, if you have a fatter arrow, you you can touch a closer target line and get more points. And I always get gypped because I'm shooting my hunting arrows because I'm kind of a deer hunter, not really a target shooter. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna upgrade. I'm gonna figure something out, get ready with this with, for my new Matthews. And I'm just saying, if you guys are looking for a new bow, now's the time. It's February 23rd right now. Um, bows are probably the cheapest they're gonna be all year long. Call Bill up at Endless Horizons Archery. He probably has last year's model in stock for a better price than what you'd find anywhere else. I'd be willing to bet on that. Uh, give him a call. That's Endless Horizons Archery and Aliquippa PA. Guys, I'm serious. He carries bows from this year and the years past. And the ones that are a year older, older, he offers great prices on. Check them out. Tell him Habitat Podcast sent you. Call Bill Anzer at Endless Horizons Archery. Thank you for all the land plan clients. We are back on the road. Brian has been up in New York this past weekend, visiting two clients up there. Elliot, Mike, thank you guys very much for uh, the land plans. Really appreciate you guys trusting us with their process. They found a bunch of sheds. Brian walks in beautiful property. Um, we, we had our buddy Jim join us for the walk up there. Kind of a, a land plan manager in training. And guys, we are... We are working this and we are making sure that our land plans are helping clients. Phil Lincoln is working on one with Scott over in Northern Indiana. Um, I got one in Northern Indiana and in Michigan coming up here soon. Jesse's wrapping one up in Nebraska. We're, guys, we're, we're helping clients across the board and we just appreciate those who trust us. You know, we've been through it. We've been talking about this stuff for years. I've made all the mistakes you can make. We're trying to help get folks on the right path. If you're wondering, you know, are your ideas the right ideas for what you want to do with your property? You know, a land plan is a great way to confirm that. If you want to know where to get started, you know, how do I start? What do I do first? What programs can I sign up for? A land plan is a way to do that. We are here to help. Check us out, habitatpodcast.com slash land plans, and we will be there for you. Now, don't think I forgot about the Packer Max giveaway you will know more about that extremely soon we're gonna launch it in march food plot season's coming up you know april may june spring food plots summer food plots we will be giving away an 800 unit packer max hd model lincoln and i were up at the uh, northern 70 last weekend hanging out together going to a uh, a banquet up there together donating some product to the to the cause and got to spend the weekend together with our buddy Adam. Check it out, Packer Max and the HD unit. We will be giving one away very soon, so stay tuned for that. It's really all I wanted to get into today. I just want to thank the rest of our partners. You know, Vitalize Seed Company, you know, Spring Mix Nitro Boost is open for pre-order now. We will be shipping seed within the next two weeks. Real Tree United Country Midwest Lifestyle Properties. I want to thank Legendary Forest Products, Morse Nursery, Packer Max Gold Packers, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Exodus Outdoor Gear, and Afflictor Broadheads. Guys, let us know what you think. 
there's something you want to hear. We had a gentleman reach out last week about a waterfowl podcast. He wants to hear more on waterfowl. I'm going to try to make that happen. So if you guys are interested and you want, you know, leave us some feedback. Let us know. Shoot us a message on Instagram, Facebook, send us a DM, whatever you got. We want the feedback. Habitat chat. We get our feedback there most of the time. Come join that group. And um, I have some big things coming, some good ideas for this year where we're going to try to bring the listeners um, even closer to the guys at Habitat Podcast through the community. So thank you all very much. I truly appreciate you. Let's get into it with Randy Taylor, how to manage a deer camp down in Mississippi and also the Mississippi Department of Wildlife and how they do deer hunting down there. All right, everybody, we're back. Another episode of the Habitat Podcast. We have a special guest today, Mr. Randy Taylor from the Mississippi Department of Wildlife. How you doing, Randy? Man, doing good. I appreciate it. Been been uh, in the session with legislators, uh, about ready to get that wrapped up. So, <laughs> Well, good, man. Hey, yeah, thanks for coming on. I, um, I met you at a, a bar in Indianapolis. About, that's I don't right. know, a month and a half ago, having some bush lights or something. Yes, sir. That's right. Yeah. How was the ATA show for you? It was good, man. We actually, so, you know, while we were there, we're, we're with My World Outdoors, so I get to live my dream outside of work and, and get to hunt with John Christopher and uh, Brandon Adams, which is called BA, and, and Trevor Johnson, and we were up there and always trying to look for sponsors to help out, you know, do, do stuff that we love. So it's, it's always fun to go to those shows and meet everyone. Oh yeah. That's awesome. And and tell us what my world outdoors is for those who don't know, go ahead and, and tell us what that is. And I, I've heard of Brandon before from the old, uh, major league bow hunter days, right? That, yep. That's right. That's right. Um, John and NBA started this about, I guess about three years ago. And um, they were pretty much well based, and and got to talking to Sportsman's Channel, and they would love to have us, and and uh, we ended up getting on the third and, and fourth quarter at eight thirty. So it's been a it's been a pretty good uh, deal for us, man. Uh, I, you know, obviously it, it takes a lot of money to it takes a lot more money than what I thought. Uh, I got a lot more respect for the guys that you watch on TV because <laughs> it's it's very expensive to do what we like to do. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I don't know the ins and outs of the of the whole TV game. I know that uh, it ain't cheap, though. No, no, it's not cheap, and, and we lean on John a little bit. John's always been great, great to my world, and and uh, he sponsors a lot of it or have been. But he did tell us we better get our stuff together and, and get some help out. So, and we've done <laughs> a good job, man. We've teamed up with Matt Busbus, and and Matt's great, man. He's uh he knows his his stuff in that business so he's been a, he's been a you know great for us, so well very cool so let's let's start this way we normally start out by having the listeners tell us a little bit about themselves where they're from um how they kind of got into hunting and habitat work and uh and what they're up to these days so go ahead well i'm i'm from um yezu city mississippi i live in ridgeland now um been married to my wife mimi for 18 years and got two awesome boys, Vaden, who was 14, and, and Briggs, who was eight, and, uh, and and have both of the boys in the outdoors, and they love it. Briggs would go every day if I let him. Uh, Vaden, he's he's a hit or miss. He's 14. You know, he's into the girls and sports and all that good stuff. So, um, you know, I, I, t- I taught them exactly, I guess, what my stepdad taught me, and, and, and a lot of people agree or disagree with 
but we've always been on a management program and kind of started that when I was 15. And, uh, it's, it's been a run, man. It's, yeah, we got 6,000 acres that we hunt on and, and, uh, we, we, we actually formed a deer camp and I've been running me and a guy, David Holloway has been running the deer camp with a lot of help of the members. Uh, it's, it's their money that drives this and, and, you know, they never go against us on anything that we come up with. And, uh, I mean, projects as far as summer food plots, I mean, we love to plant vetch and, you know, I, I would highly recommend that if you're going to do a summer food plot, vetch is, is probably the best thing as far as natural protein that you can give an animal. And we have also, you got to plant it obviously further from the, from the crop fields because the roundup will kill it but um they'll walk through a soybean field to get to the vet so uh it's a i don't know i, I would definitely ho- highly recommend if you've never done vets to read up on it and, and and do that for sure yeah that's that's a great tip there i know um we plant uh american joint vetch in our uh in our spring summer mixes and and that does pretty dang well so and i know the guys at yep. the msu deer lab they they plant a lot of vetch too um so if, but you, you said something there that I wanted to ask when you say deer camp, is that like a club? Yeah. So we formed that back, back when I was younger, my stepdad, between my stepdad aunt and the 16th, 16th uh, section land. I mean, we had close to 3000 acres that I grew up hunting on my own and my dad, my mom and dad split when I was younger. So my dad was always in a deer camp over in Carroll County. And it was just fun to me to listen to the camp stories campfires you shoot a deer you, you hang around the skinny shed and and i was missing out on a lot of that back where i lived and you know obviously it's fun to have something by yourself and you can management but it's also you know the camaraderie of other people um i don't know i just fell in love we started out with 10 members and we started getting more and more and more and more land and we have about 20 members now um and they're paying i mean we're paying close to 100 grand and uh leases wow so we yeah we have and we got some really good members man that you know they they pay their dues and they also come out of pocket on a lot of stuff i mean they're they're whatever's best that we think's best they go for it so it's always great to have people that are willing to you know spend money on stuff that because everything you want to do costs money no kidding and you guys are are I mean, I guess explain which part of the state you're in. I know because we were talking over it and and I kind of know where you're at. You're, you're not too far from a land plan client of mine that I visited. Um, but I guess tell everybody else uh, a little bit about where you're at and the type of deer you guys are are used to managing and, and harvesting because it's no slouch of an area. Yeah, so Yazoo County is where our land is, which is in central part of Mississippi. It's, it's about 35 miles from Jackson. We're right on the edge of the delta, so we're still considered the hills is where we are. Um, it actually drops off only about seven miles from us into the delta. So we, we have the hill deer is what we call. Um, and we've killed, man, I, we've killed two deer in the 190s there, uh, several 180s, a lot of 170s, and bukuls of, of 160s. Uh, and it's not from, you know, like I said before, some people are against that. They want to go get their meat and we're for that too. That's why we have uh management for does. We, we, we have, we work for uh DMAP, which is Mississippi was the first uh, state to ever come out with this DMAP, which is a management program. Um, 
and William McKinley kind of headed that up back years ago. But they're more on, you know, land managing your herd, I guess you would say. Uh, now, I, I told you this before, and I can't get too deep in it, but <laughs> right now we're dealing with uh, depredation programs, and, and, and which are good in ways and bad in other ways because, you know, deer are eating the farmer's crops, and, and but sometimes I think it goes a little overboard on, you know, shooting the deer in the summertime. I just, it to me, you know, you get into conservation and, and, and I get it, you know, as far as money-wise and stuff, but we, we also have to, you know, protect the stuff that we love to do as well. So, sure. Um, but we've been on a buck program and basically we try at our camp, we try not to kill anything under five and a half, unless it's a management deer. And we get, what we do is a camera survey every year. And we put all the pictures on the board. We go through them. We figure out what deer, you know, we want to take and what deer we want to let go. And uh, we started a co-op, um, which is called like the Tri-County Co-op, which is where we are. We probably have continuous of close to 20,000 acres around us that are on our same program. You know, at growing up, I always heard, man, if if I don't shoot him, the neighbors will. Well, oh, I yeah. got tired of hearing that. So with with Mississippi Wildlife Department and DMAP, we were like, look, let's start a co-op. So we started going out and politicking and getting everyone involved. And, dude, this has been great. We have a one-time, sometimes twice a year, but most of the time we have one meeting a year. We go over everything. We go over our jawbones, our ages, and and uh, it seemed to work. And we've been on that program for probably 15 years now. Yeah, man. I mean, 170s, 180s, 190s, that's nothing to shake a stick at, especially. And you're, you're not even in the Delta of Mississippi, but, I mean, you're close. But that cooperative, yeah, right. it, th- those are very – advantageous we have a lot of those here in michigan as well because um you know like like you guys we have a, a, an abundance of deer in the southern part of the state and and a lot of opportunity to kill them well there's also a very liberal buck harvest here too so it's kind of one of the only ways we get our deer to to a higher age class is, is by getting the neighbors on board and having a common goal i'm i'm in one myself actually so i completely stand yep. behind those we we also man we're you know our camp used to not be kid friendly and now everybody has kids and so we got about 700 acres that we have dedicated uh as what we call a kid section and they get under the age of 16 and you know depending on how many deer kid could be 18 we're not going to get mad or whatever but uh we let them shoot a, a a one-time mississippi legal buck a year so every year Oh, if wow. your kid is nine, yeah, if he wants to shoot an eight-pointer, what's been great about this is they started off, you know, hey, the first six-pointer, seven-pointer started shooting. All we're doing is teaching these kids, hey, this is your one-time buck. Do you really want to shoot this three-year-old eight-pointer? Do you want to wait? And it's it's really great to see that these kids are starting to pass up deer on their own when they can shoot the deer that, you know, for one time. Now, after they shoot their one-time buck, if they come over to the big section, they got to hunt like, you know, what we do, which is still good for them to to enjoy the hunt, you know, instead of just going out and blasting. And I mean, I grew up with a video camera in my hand and I mean that by BA would laugh and say, you stink at video. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I mean by is I used to take a video camera out and just go sit in the woods or go sit in the field during deer season and not have to shoot. And I enjoy that. And now I don't know, that just kind of pushed me to, 
really push this management program because, man, we are we got the potential of honestly killing some of the biggest deer in the state of Mississippi on on that on that piece of property, and so and we have a list of people who are begging to get in the camp, and that's always good to have, you know. Oh yeah. Okay, well that's that's awesome, and what type of um would you say habitat management do you do on your your lease ground there part of the the deer camp that would you say is <laughs> is most effective and then i'm going to ask you the opposite about some mistakes um well obviously we're trying to get into more of like control burn um we have i'll be honest with you we haven't been big into that my question to the um biologist it was just this year i was talking to mr rush walsh and i said russ i said we've been on this program for years and years and we've been pounded to kill doe after doe after doe after doe and and get the buck doe ratio right well we're there well our weights have went down tremendously i mean where we used to kill a 260 to 280 pound buck on an average of four and a five and a half year, years old this wow. year we killed one buck this year that weighed like 206 the rest of the deer were under now of course you, you got to throw in the rut but still i you know my question is what are we doing wrong uh, you know, and he said nothing. He said he said he would definitely implement the control burn, uh, cutting trees, which we are doing right now. Um, th we're thinning pines right now. We talked to the 16th section, the the school boards. They're getting on uh, board and they're fishing the thin to get more habitat for these deer. Um, and I hope that that's the reason that the body weights are going down because man, we 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 plant corn, we plant soybeans, and obviously cotton. And that's all great. And then we plant the, the summer food plots. But, you know, I don't want to continue to keep murdering the deer, basically, the doe ratio, to buck to doe ratio, if if it's not going to help out the weight. So hopefully in the next couple of years, we will see a change in the body weights. So you're, yeah. So, I mean, that, that makes perfect sense to me about, about, you know, what deer eat most of the time and, and the fact that you can increase the the carrying capacity on your on your ground, which should offer better health by cutting the timber. So you're saying the biologist is recommending thin the pines, thin the pines, and, and do some prescribed fire. That's right, and, and, and get and get the undergrowth back, you know, yep. to where it used to be, and, and it did. It, we still have a lot of thickets, and we still have a lot of food. Uh, we have not. We have talked about protein. But obviously, we know on six thousand acres, if you do protein right, I mean, dude, that could the money is unlimited. I mean, it's, sure. it could go from fifty thousand to a hundred thousand. I mean, once you start getting these animals to eat this protein, and we do have neighbors that are doing it, and they're begging us to get on it because we got the biggest piece of property. But you know, we're we're limited unless we go up on dues, and I mean, they're already paying close to seven thousand dollars a year, you know, and that's that's expensive. Yeah, yeah, I, that, like you said, it could be unlimited amount of cost when if you start adding protein on six thousand acres. I mean, holy cow! Yep, and we use we're sponsored by Twisted Oak Minerals, so we've been using a lot of the Twisted Oak um, blocks and a lot of the Twisted Oak minerals, and I think they've even gotten some of the um, oh, what's that stuff called? Buck? Oh God, I think of it in a minute. Uh, Lucky Buck. They've been putting some of that out, just putting different things out just to see. And man, 
we do not feed on our place. I, I got rid of about three years ago. We we decided, hey, it's making the deer go nocturnal. You know, it's it's legal in Mississippi long as it's in a feeder. So we stopped feeding for the last, I guess, about three years. And dude, to me personally, if you want to ask me, it's made our our place better. You know, making food plots bigger, putting better seed out. We do radishes and turnips. We have to plant those, you know, early September. Um, you don't really want to wait to November to do that because, you know, it's it's not they'll be in the food plots in February and March and February, basically with the radishes and stuff coming up. So we do we have learned that we do have to plant that earlier. Um, we do have to be careful on planting our regular food plots like wheat and and all that good stuff because we have army worms so bad. So that's that's a downfall on planting our, you know, our food plots when we really need and want to plant them. Yep. Yeah, that army worm is insane. I've seen some videos of some guys near you and some of my buddies down there. And man, that's that's unfortunate to have to deal with that. Is that something that's always around? Oh yeah, they, last year we were good. It was crazy, but the year before, they ate. Typically, they ate grass, any types of grass. Well, it was so bad two years ago. They got in my garden and wiped my all my tomatoes. I mean everything. Jeez. Uh, so you really, you really, really have to be careful with them. Now, if you get a night, you know, if you've got about a week of upper fifty degree weather. Dude, you can go ahead. I mean, usually it knocks them out and you're good. So that's what we always kind of wait on is that that three or four day of that kind of cooler weather. And then sure. we start planting. <clears throat> we got sure. about we got close to 90 acres of food plots on that place and could have a lot more. Do you really? Wow. So here's a question. What do you and I want to get back to the, the mistakes um, as well, but. So you plant a lot of food, you're not doing any more feeding, which I think is probably helpful to pressure as well. Um what do you what do you feel about kudzu? Uh man, we love kudzu. We actually have um we have natural kudzu, I wouldn't say all over that place, but it's on every bit of our creeks. And we have three major creeks that run through our place and it's covered in kudzu. And I'm gonna tell you something, if you want to shoot out of arrows go get on the kudzu. I don't know what it is that they like about it so much, but if you can hunt it before that freeze, uh, it's, it's crazy. I don't, like I said, I, I'm not a biologist. I don't know why they like it so much, but they, they lay in it, they live in it and they love eating it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a biologist either. I know I, I'm pretty sure it's very high in protein and, uh, yeah, my buddy's place down there is, is covered in it. It's like, it's just, it'll take over an area, you know? So it's it's kind of interesting seeing stuff like that. That's right. So what would you say would be some of the mistakes that you guys made maybe early on um, I, I that are really sticking out in your to, head? Yeah, I mean, I would really go back to not control burning. I think that's going to be a huge, my stepdad, matter of fact, is he's fisting the start. In the next couple of weeks, he's fishing the start. He's got a lot of set aside land. Uh, obviously, waiting, you know, for the turkeys and all that good stuff. And um, you know, you don't want to do it right after they're hatched, and so you have to be careful with that. But um, oh, I don't know, man. Just the feeding. I mean, the big, the big part of not feeding to me is the biggest, the biggest part. Uh, as far as the corn and, and what you said, the pressure and all that stuff. I mean, now I, there is, 
Um, you know, the cell phone cameras do help. They're not going in there every week. Uh, and we still, and, and, I, and, I, and I sit here and tell you that, we do do a two-week, we get a permit from the Department um, of Wildlife, and we get a two-week period where we do a camera survey. And we are allowed, we do allow the camp to feed and get all the pictures we can on that. Yeah, that makes sense so, for the survey. Yep. Right. And we, and like I said, we do do the feeding for the survey, but it's only a two week period that we can do it. And we get a lot of pictures. I mean, I bet we run, I don't know who they probably close to a hundred cameras. No kidding. And so how do you guys divvy up the work when it comes to camera surveys or, or even when it comes <laughs> to choosing stands come hunting season or maybe planting food plots? How do you divvy that up between the members? So our, our, luckily our land is in one big block. So it's perfectly sectioned off. So you got, you know, 30 stands in section one, 35 in section two and 28 in section three. First of all, we got about six to eight people that run those sections. They're, 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 they're over those sections and they'll get people to help them out so if they run a camera in section one, that's their section, you know, get, get whoever you want to, to help you. And that's how they run the cameras in that. Now, as far as work days, kind of the same thing. Usually I'll pick somebody different every year. We'll get them to head it up. I'll pick three guys for the sections and then basically they'll go through and cause some guys can make it. Some guys can't make it. It's just, we know the work and all that stuff. So we, what we mainly do is, um, in, in August, we'll set out the whole month of August and we give you the whole month of August, August, basically to do your work days, clean the stands up, check the straps, you know, uh, burlap. And then the food plots come in later. We had an incident this year that I was going to say something about tree safety is, uh, probably the scariest I've ever been in my life. I have both my boys. Uh, in the blind with me just sat down and I got a phone call and uh, I, I swear I almost didn't answer because when I got my kids, I want to focus on them. And for some reason I answered the phone call and it was a buddy of mine and he had literally stepped into a stand. Uh, no, he didn't have a safety harness on, but even if he'd had a safety harness on, it wouldn't have helped him because we didn't have a lifeline. Uh, you know, it goes up from the ground to the, to the stand. And yep, as soon yep. as he stepped off, he fell 22 foot broke his pelvic in half, broke his shoulder. Um, he's just now able to walk again. It's, it was a pretty terrifying. I got, I got so messed up. I got lost in the woods on my own place. I couldn't even think had to call nine one one. We had to go out there and, and basically rescue this guy. I mean, I, I didn't know if he was going to be alive when I got to him. So it was a, it was a scary thing. So right now we're working on, um, every stand, Every lock on that you have, everything has to come down. Uh, we're going to limit it to three personal stands. Uh, it could be lock ons or it could be ladders. They have to come off the tree every year. Now, as far as the camp stands, because we do know where those stands are, um, we loosen up the straps, but we're going to change out straps every single year. Every stand has to have a lifeline, except box stands, of course. Uh, you have to wear a safety harness and a lifeline has to be on every stand. Uh, we're also doing metal tags for your three personal stands. You tag your uh, ladders for the year. And when you get through that year, you take the stands down, you bring your tag back to the camp. Uh, some people kind of 
hurt over that, but it, you know, some of these guys have 20 stands in the woods and it's just not safe. I mean, they might not go check it for seven years. And right. that's kind of what happened to this stand. You know, it, it'd been up for four years. Nobody checked it because it was a personal stand. This guy finds it. Well, I take that back. It was a old member stand. And he's like, yeah, man, you can go hunt my stand, whatever. He wasn't in the camp anymore. And then that's what happened. He's lucky to be alive. Yeah, man, I think those are some great rules you guys are instilling now. I mean, we all, unfortunately, we've all known somebody or heard of somebody that's, that's, that's fell from a tree. I fell from a tree when I was a kid, not using a harness and stuff. And, and my buddy fell a couple of years ago, got real hurt. You know, yeah, it's, it's insane uh, how often this happens. And we all, we all know better. Did the, did the straps break or something or the cables or any idea on that? Yeah, so it was a it was actually a Millennium stand that we we, we all use Millennium stands. We love them. It was actually one of the chains. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with a Millennium stand, but basically what you do is you throw a block around the tree. You can have you can have ten blocks in one stand. You can take that stand down because they're light and carry yep. in and out. You can go to each spot. Um, nothing to do with with millennium uh it was our fault for not taking that block i mean you got to take them down every year those trees grow um especially pine trees but this was an oak tree we kind of we were surprised it grew that much to be honest with you Hmm, um because that block but anyway the block the chain was actually already broken when we did an investigation the department of wildlife came in law enforcement guys and did an investigation was like look the rust you can see the rust the chain was already broken too when he stepped in it uh, so my, you know, if you're going to ask me, if you're going to do that stuff, just, just take the stand. It stinks to have to go back out there, but take the stands down every year, put a lifeline up and wear a safety harness. Uh, and, and, the, and the safety line, the lifeline is probably the most important uh, thing you have on that tree. Cause you can hook up to it right there at the bottom and take it all the way up with, you, you know? And so I would highly recommend that if, if you're going to be hunting, you know, over 10, 12, 15 feet, where your safety harness and, and a lifeline. Yep. I couldn't agree more. And, and it may be, you know, people, I've heard people complain about how expensive lifelines are, especially if you have to buy, you know, 10 of them or 20 of them. But I mean, your life and, and your health is, can't really put a price on that. And, and there are ways that, that you can make them yourself. Even I think my co-host, Brian, I think he's got a video on our YouTube about making some, from scratch or something. you might save a little money there but um to your yeah, point yeah, yeah most i think most falls are are from the top like getting into the stand or getting out of the stand not so much the stand itself so that lifeline like that's you right. said is the most important part yeah that's right we had a guy that works offshore and he can get this rope um you know they use it you know working offshore you they're constantly changing their stuff out they have to they, they pick up too many too much heavy stuff but so he kind of did that too. We saved, well, we probably saved a couple thousand dollars. He knew how to tie the knots, uh, the little knot that you, the little uh, rope that you click into. Yep, the push up the safety line. He came in and I think he did like 50 something for us. So that, that saved us a lot of money. So yeah, if you got someone that, that knows what they're doing, because that, that little knot that, that you hook into, that's, that's, I mean, it's got to be right, you know. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, otherwise you're just sliding down the rope, down the tree. That's right. That's right. So, Randy, what what projects are you working on this time of year? 
Are you guys, I mean, I know you guys don't have the snow that, that we have, <laughs> at least I don't think you do right now. Um, what are you guys working on this time of year? Well, right now, I mean, it's, it's supposed to get into turkey season. So this is the best part uh, of the year to put out your minerals. Uh, and that's kind of what we're fishing ahead of here in the next couple of weeks. We're going to be putting our, our twisted oak blocks out and the, the minerals they have. And and uh, we'll end up starting getting pictures. We'll, we'll put cameras on that stuff. But, man, to me, that's probably more important than going out there and throwing the corn out or, or putting in the feeders and stuff because – we we still are getting pictures on something that we did back, you know, in, in March of last year. They're still tearing. Them. I mean, it's a hole in the ground. And we just started that about two years ago. So uh, to me, it's, that's, a, that's a plus to, to, you know, get into whatever mineral you like. We like twisted oaks, and, and that's what our deer like, and that's what we've been using. So we've had um, good things happen there. So... Uh, and honestly, like during bow season, man, I mean, I've had some great, great hunts, just them coming into the, the mineral spots. Uh, we'll be getting, um, preps and getting ready to do our vets. What we try to do is find spots that we don't, some of our food plots have vets in it, but most of our plots, it, they'll be off of, they won't be a regular food plot basically, because here in Mississippi, obviously the weather, I mean, it, it might stay hot into November. We might not get a freeze until the end of November. Well, that vetch is good all the way till it gets that freeze. And yep. uh, so we try to do some of our plots that we don't have to go back over and mess them up. Because used to, we would do our vetch and all our food plots. And then both season came, we were disking everything up and putting our, putting our winter stuff out. So <clears throat> to me, I would find spots that you didn't have to mess with that. Uh, or if you got a big enough food plot, you can go around the edges with the vetch and then leave your middles to what you want to do inside there. That's a good point. Now you mentioned turkey season. We got about probably two more months or so here for, where we can get into it. But what do you guys do any projects for, for Turkey, whether on your club or, or <laughs> whether through your employment with the department <laughs> of wildlife? Oh, dude, I mean, <clears throat> I, I don't know much about what wildlife do, but that's a big deal. I mean, N, uh, NWTF is a huge benefit to us. They give us a bunch of money. Uh, of course, they raise the money um, with projects, I mean, forest control burn, things like that. Obviously, they're planting. I think they like to plant chufa. We've never done that, but I do want to get into <clears throat> – I, I don't even know when you're supposed to even plant all that. Uh but we have talked about doing that because, man, we are eat up with turkeys. Last year, well, the last two years we've had really good hatches. And last year they didn't gobble that well. I don't, I don't know what the deal is with that. But, um, but I would, per our guy, chufa is like one of the best things. And of course, we have clover too. I failed to mention that. We we plant a lot of clover on that place, um, and we'll mix it up. We have different kinds of clover and stuff, and turkeys love it too. So. Uh, that's kind of what we do, but we, we haven't done a lot for the turkeys. Um, obviously you, you know, here in Mississippi, you're, you're not supposed to feed the turkeys, even though you got feeders out, it's, it's to the game board's discretion, whether you're, <laughs> if you're hunting over that feed. So I don't, I, I, I try not to hunt a place that has any feeders on it because they can write you a ticket. Even if you're 300 yards, um, from that feeder, they can say, Hey, you're between him and the feeder. So, to me, I don't like to fool with the whole corn and feed and all that stuff during during turkey season. Yeah, no kidding. 
Now, are you guys doing any other sort of habitat projects that we haven't covered yet? You guys put in any ponds or water holes, anything like that? We have, dude, we have so many natural water ho- holes. <laughs> we, luckily for us, we don't have to do any of that. Um, we, we have one lake that's uh, uh, probably about 50 acres. That's half of ours, half of another landowner. And then we have so many little ponds out um, through the whole place. I mean, I, I bet we have 30 or 40. So that helps big time too, especially, you know, we had a lot of rain last year, but we also had about two, two and a half months of zero rain. So, and and that's another thing that they kind of came with saying that that definitely could hurt the horn growth and your body weight uh, of your of your deer. So, you know, I, I'm going on them, but they they go to school for that and they're a lot smarter than I am. So you have to believe them. So you were saying uh, more drought years would have a, a higher impact on a lower body weight and lower antler class. Right. Or, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not just our camp that's going through it, man. I, I talked to so many people and I'm going to tell you the whole state of Mississippi, as far as body weights this year, were down. Uh, we didn't kill a deer. I think the biggest deer we killed this year was, I think we killed a 150 and two 140s. No, for most places, that's great. And it, it, it still is a great deer. Um, but for our place, uh, if we're not killing 170, 180 deer, it's like, what are we doing wrong? Because every year, we're not shooting deer unless they're five and a half. Either where are they going or what's happening? You know, uh, it goes back to like the depredation deal that i was telling you about the good thing about it is i will say this they do try not to kill bucks during the summer it's going to happen we find them we know it happens but they're not out trying to do that uh so for the most part we just believe that it's you know hopefully lack of rain uh they do not have lack of food i mean with the with all the browse that we have and the, the corn and soybeans that's not the problem. So, yeah, yeah, I've 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 noticed a correlation with that as well in the past that where we've had real heavy wet springs, um, like where farmers can't even get their crops in, the antler class and nutrition in the plant life seems to be better that year. And then last year we had droughts up here, and I I saw the opposite just from my little you know square square of the world, but. I have thought I've noticed some correlation between that in the past. That's right. We used to be, it would be funny, but we used to get these little cow troughs. It actually is what we, minerals, they come in these big tubs. And we, back in the day, we would actually fill those up or let the rain, but we would put those out throughout the place and, you know, in hopes that, you know, it would keep water and, you know, we would help out. Not that they ever used it. I have no idea if they ever used them, but I felt like if it was there, they did, you know. I think that's effective. I mean, yeah, can't hurt. Exactly. We do the same thing with water holes up here. I think so. Um, If you have little water holes everywhere like your place and it's a good year, then it won't be as effective. But um, (laughs) those drought years for sure. Yep. Uh, Tell a little funny, funny story. I went to Texas and, um, a man named Mr. Randy Atkinson. I, I got him off to the side. Me and John was hunting on a on a lease that they had, and I got him. I said, "Look now." I said, "Where do I need to go?" He said, "I tell you where you go." He said, "You go through the cattle gap. When you get through the cattle gap, he said you'll come to a tank." 
when you come to the tank, walk around that tank and sit on the backside of it. He said, you'll see more deer than anybody. I said, yes, sir. So I got there before daylight, and I went to walking, and I never found a tank. But I found all kind of tracks around this pond and had a great hunt. I had several different bucks come in and got back to the um, his house or whatever. He said, I can't believe you didn't shoot this morning. I said, well, I saw plenty of deer and saw plenty of good good bucks. I said, but Mr. Andy, I said, somebody's moved your tank. He said, what? He said, somebody, I said, somebody moved your tank. He said, what are you talking about? He said, you can't move that tank. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't see that water hole. I said, well, yes, sir. I said, but we call those ponds. He said, well, son, those are tanks in Texas. <laughs> so <laughs> I was a little confused on, you know, Mississippi guy meets Texas, and I had no idea what a tank was. So I, I guess I'm an idiot. Well, I might be too then. Is there a tank in the ground? Well, it's just all it is is a pond. It, okay, all it gotcha. is is a water okay. and hole. And it's basically, they, they put these throughout, like what you said, but throughout for like their cattle. And, uh, of course, obviously it's so dry. A lot of times it's dry there. Deer, deer just go to them. And so, but if you ever go to Texas and they tell you to look for a tank, just, uh, look for a watering hole. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good piece of advice. Thank you. So when it comes to your, your day-to-day stuff with, with the department, what are you doing for, for the department? <laughs> what does your typical day-to-day look like? Well, so mine's a little scattered out. I do all kinds of sorts of things in the department. My my main job I got hired to is governmental affairs. I, I'm the liaison slash lobbyist for the department. So from January to, you know, on into April, I am dealing with legislators and, and trying to pass bills or even having to get bills killed if I'm able to, you know, also our budget on how our agency and general funds that we get paid, um, Obviously, we have licensed sales, but that's that doesn't go towards general funds. It's uh, you know paying law enforcement stuff like that, uh, and that's that's my major job. Throughout the summer, I'll set up meetings. Obviously, the legislators have been good to us. Uh, last couple of years, we've gotten a lot of money for our state parks. Um, we can use it for state parks, facilities, uh, state lakes, WMAs. Um, we have I think fifty something state parks. I'm pretty sure i might be or it was i'll have to go back and look i can't remember man we got we got a bunch of them maybe it's 21 of them i can't remember but a lot of wmas and it takes a lot of money to run these things keep everything going uh so they've been a big help to us um with with the money wise so setting up meetings and and taking them around showing them what they're actually giving us money for is always a big deal um, I also help them out with inspections. We're all, all the time inspecting, make sure our, our people are doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, and then I've kind of gotten into the land and water grant stuff, which is helping them inspect those. Uh, anytime that you get monies from federal funds, you have to inspect them every five years. So I don't know how many we have, but last year, for instance, we had 144 different um places i had to go to help well i didn't have to do all of them but help them inspect them and you got to turn those back into the feds to show that hey we are you know trying to keep up or maintain what monies that they've given us well that sounds pretty exciting keep going oh it's it's fun man i I stay on the road which is good I, i i travel the whole state of mississippi and 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 just dealing with legislators man they're they're we have a good group of people and and they're a lot of fun. And, and so they've been pretty, you know, easy to work with. And our committees, uh, Senator Whaley 
and um, is our chairman, and um, Ben Suver is our vice chairman on the Senate side, and then Bill Kincaid is our chairman on the House side, and Shane Barnett is our vice chair. So it's been really good and being able to work with these guys. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't see eye to eye, but that's politics. So, but for the most part, you know, they, they help us out. So that's, that's a good, good relationship with those guys. No kidding. What, are there any hot topics going on these days that, uh, anybody should, should be paying attention to good, bad, or ugly? There's, there's nothing really out there this year. Obviously, you know, you know, these dog hunters, they, they, uh, they think the department wants to get rid of dog hunting. It's not true at all. Um, half of our game boards, they have dogs, they dog hunt. We're, we're, we're not against dog hunting at all. What we are trying to figure out is, look, we can't run a dog on 300 acres. And look, I go dog hunting. I love dogs. I mean, that's where, that's where hunting in Mississippi started was from dog hunters. And I think it's a great, great sport. Um, but nothing out there this year, there is a bill right now. Um, we have, um, a bunch of groups that, um, they have the tracking dogs, uh, which are great. I mean, we're, we're hundred percent behind them to help people find the deer, recover them. But the problem we've run into is, uh, people that with their cell phones or videoing these people that at night track their deer, and you know they're shooting the deer well what's what the problem is they're shooting the deer under a light which technically is spotlighting so we do have a bill out there right now that is actually trying to protect these guys is doing a good deed for other people what we're going to do is you're not going to be allowed to use a rifle we're going to try to um i think it's a 45 caliber and under a pistol six inch six inch barrel and that'll help out these dog hunters and and they're kind of asking for it as well because people are rifles man i mean it's just you know you're shooting across or you're doing this or doing that and, and uh it's just a safety deal yeah yeah that's, so that's a great point of, i didn't think about that yeah that's about the only major uh deal we have a guiding guiding bill out right now that um, non-residents can come in and guide in the state of mississippi and, and the guys are actually asking to do, have a permit have a decal and uh because we have we have definitely caught a bunch of people you know catching too many crappie uh taking them out of state this and that so we're just trying to control that because right now man the biggest one of the best lakes around is in mississippi in Grenada lake i mean they're catching over four pound crappie out of it which is holy wow kind of unheard of. yeah so it's a big deal so we're having to really watch you know because all these out of state people are coming in which you're fine i mean that's that's where we get most of our money is from out-of-state license so if we did if we did away with out-of-state license i don't know how we would carry the department yeah yeah i mean you you, you uh, want people coming to your state to to recreate outdoors you know you want something good enough to to go there for like michigan our, our out-of-state hunting licenses are not that expensive and well i mean i don't know very many people who travel to michigan to to hunt deer and whatnot so um upland birds and, and fishing and that's that's a different story but i can see what you mean there yeah and this year's a this year's an election year so it's not going to be a lot of controversial stuff uh i am going to be working hard next year um it's time we're the only state that we we don't have tagging of any ant well i take it back we do have tagging now for turkeys but we don't have tagging for deer and we don't have a harvest reporting 
And to me, if we can get on the harvest reporting program, that will also help out the depredation stuff on knowing how many deer we're actually taking in the state of Mississippi. And it's been pretty rough on trying to get this bill passed. And we're trying to work with both sides to look, let's, let's meet heads here. Let's figure out a way, but we, we got to know how many animals being taken out of the state of Mississippi. And it's a good thing. If it was up to me, you would tag every animal you you shoot. Now we're on D mount. So they're, they, anybody that's on D mount, they know how many deer you're taking. And that's what they're kind of having to go off of, of private lands on D mount and then public lands. You have to, you know, do a kind of a harvest reporting there, but that's still not half of it. I mean, we, we got to get on, we got to get on a program. Um, I'm asked daily, how many deer are getting taken out of the state of Mississippi? Well, we don't know. Why don't you know? There's no way of knowing. We don't have a harvest reporting. So we, we did start the harvest reporting with turkeys. Um, uh, so hopefully that's going to, I think we started that two years ago and it's, it seems to be working pretty good. So and it, it, look, honest people are going to be honest and people don't do it. They're just not going to do it. That's just the way sure. it is. Yeah, we no. That's I didn't know you guys didn't have any sort of um, harvest reporting. Mm-hmm. I, I I find it interesting that you don't know how many deer are harvested in, in the state every year. I mean, you guys have to have a lot of them to to not 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 care, but to not have a need for it yet. Uh, we, we just implemented that in Michigan with like an app on your phone. You got to check in your deer, and it it that's wasn't right. too bad of a process, and um, the data you can gather from it is worth it for the state, you know, to make management decisions. So I think it's pretty, pretty neat and not, and like you said, there's going to be folks that don't do it and that's fine. There's already folks that poach and everything else. So, but they're all there. It is cool. If you can help out and get something like that in, in process, I don't think it was too big of a deal to get in, but again, above my pay grade. So. Yeah. I mean, it needs to happen. And, and lucky for us, man, we've been working on this for seven or eight years. We actually have everything ready to go. All we oh, need wow. is a bill pass. And like I said, we, we're already doing it with turkeys. Um, we're actually wanting to come out with a turkey stamp that actually, you know, that'll put more money in and, and help us with different programs as well. It's kind of like a duck stamp. But yep. anyway, that's, that's, that's not there yet, but we are working on it. But harvest reporting is, is man, it's a big deal. I mean, it's just, it ain't no way around it. It's, we got to get it done. Uh, and hopefully next year we can, you know, talk to both sides and, and, you know, we're not trying to, get, this is not a tool to give people tickets. This is a tool to look, y'all, we, we need to know how many deer are taken out of state of Mississippi. So, and that's, right. that's the biggest part. Now I got one more quick question. I'll get to our rapid fire and wrap up here real quick. Um, are there any sort of, programs or funding opportunities or opportunities in general for the for the public who want to get more involved and and learn more about what the state's doing and help out and and that sort of thing we're we're trying to talk to different states this year and and maybe try to connect them with the listeners a little better in case there's an opportunity where you can go help or something yeah so like i said before nwtf is a big big deal to us ducks unlimited any organ uh, we got the mississippi wildlife foundation there's mississippi um wildlife federation and they're all you know getting money donated to them them for for hunting and and resource and habitat and and just different kind of research things that that we're trying to get into we did get a bill passed last year which is 
uh, it's going to be a big deal. Um, it's the trust fund bill. Um, Ricky Flint is actually going to be the director over that. He's been with the department for, I, I would say, 30 years or a little over 30 years. Um, he's been in law enforcement management part of it. He's over the alligator program. Uh, so he retired. They hired him to do it. He's going to be great. I actually talked to him before you called me, and he's all about um, setting up a meeting with you. He gave me his email, and, dude, he can talk for hours on this. And it's a big <laughs> deal, and it needs to get out because, you know, non, non-government organizations can get into this. It's a big deal. Agencies can apply for this grant. Multiple, uh, I'm trying to think what he said. I don't want to. I don't want to get into his stuff. But um, there's so many different organizations that can apply for these grants. But we do have to get the money funded. And I think we're working on that. And I think we're going to get it um, because it's a it's a big deal to the state of Mississippi. On and it's most of us there to help public. You know what can we do for for habitat and and they're putting ponds in different things levees so it's it's all kinds of things that would go in this trust fund program that you can apply for that's i mean dude it's going to take off and get huge and there's other states doing it now so but like i said ricky flint could talk to you for hours about it he's very knowledgeable uh he he's really knowledgeable about our agency a lot more than me i've only been there for seven years and uh and obviously he's worked in almost every every zone that we have, every, you know, deal that we have in the agency. So awesome. I'll have to get Ricky on and and yeah, I'd love to make that connection. So appreciate that. Uh Randy, you've been very gracious with your time today. Uh, we've already been at it close to close to an hour here. I have a quick uh rapid fire question. The last question you can take a little bit more time on, but um, and then we'll let you plug your stuff at the end and, and wrap up. That sounds good to you. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Question number one: What is your favorite beverage? Oh man, my favorite beverage. I mean, if I had to go with a, a beer, I mean, obviously it'd be Bush Light. Uh, <laughs> my man. Other than that, probably water. <laughs> okay. How about this? Your favorite venison or wild game recipe? Oh man, I like. I have a recipe that's a peppered steak that I use deer meat, um, a deer tenderloin, uh, as uh, y'all can check us out too. Uh, it's called cooking, and they have it slash s h i t. But cooking stuff with b a and j c. It's on YouTube. We have all our recipes. We do it every year, and that recipe is on there. But it's a pepper steak. It's my dad's recipe, and basically it's you know butter, uh, onions, bell peppers, mushrooms, and then Worcestershire and soy sauce and you know, it's it's about a three or four hour like simmering, but it is phenomenal. But you can use anything in there. You can use beef, deer meat, elk, whatever you want. So that's that, my favorite. That sounds delicious. I'm gonna check out that that video series too. I haven't heard of that. So thanks for that. Okay. Next after that would be what do you hunt out of the most? A preset stand, a blind, or do you use like a climber and go mobile? Uh, man, I use, honestly, if I'm bow hunting, I'm using the, um, millennium lock-ons. Nice. Regarding habitat on your place in Mississippi, what do you think is most important? Food, water, or cover? If you had to pick one. Uh, food for sure. Your favorite habitat tool or implement that you guys use? Ooh. Uh, grain drill. 
Nice. Nice. That's a new one. And then last but not least, your favorite tree. This can be for for habitat, for hunting, for, you know, gazing off and where you're looking at the sunset. A, What's your favorite tree? I'm a white oak, man. Yeah. I like to see them white oaks. Great, man. Appreciate that. That's always fun to learn a little bit more about the guests. And uh, yeah, man, I, I appreciate you coming on and spending time here today. We got almost an hour here, so I just want to wrap up and let you you plug uh, all your stuff where people can find you. And uh, just thank you again for coming on, Randy. I enjoyed chatting with you. Absolutely, man. And and y'all check us out, My World Outdoors. We're 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 getting bigger and bigger, and we're excited. So uh, please check us out and check our cooking show out. Yeah, I think you'd enjoy it. Awesome, Randy. Thanks a lot, man. Keep in touch, okay? Thank you, brother. Yes, sir. Bye bye. Thank you so much, listeners, for coming and listening once again to the Habitat Podcast. We really appreciate it. If you could, please do us a favor. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. If you type out something nice, I will send you a free Habitat Podcast decal. If you haven't been to our website, HabitatPodcast.com, we have our Habitat Property Consultation Services on there under the Land Plan tab check out our hp land plans there we also have hats t-shirts and decals up at habitatpodcast.com of course all of our podcast episodes and then we have a new habitat podcast journal where you can learn about deer anatomy and some cool thoughts um you know more of a blog post from us every now and then we'd really love it if you went over to our instagram facebook and youtube found the habitat podcast and please subscribe that really helps us and thank you very much to our sponsors. I'd like to thank Vitalize Seed Company at vitalizeseed.com. Packer Max Cultipackers. Exodus Trail Cameras. Michigan Whitetail Pursuit. Endless Horizons Archery. Morse Nursery. Afflictor Broadheads. First Light. Realtree United Country Land Pro Lake States Realty and Auction. Legendary Forest Products. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in once again. Get back with us soon. We're going to have another great episode for you as we become better habitat managers. Mm-hmm.